0: Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and tonight it is my pleasure to give to you Joe Andrew of the 1984 Draft and Todd Farrell Jr. of Benchmarks. It is the release day for their split 7-inch together today. We'll talk a bit about that 7-inch in the body of this episode. We will talk about fatherhood. We will talk about the greater machinations of the uh, punk scene at large. It's inclusivity, and sometimes it's lack thereof. And we will have a goofy time together, as is, uh, you know, how the Andrel brothers and I seem to be together. With that being said, I give to you, Todd Farrell Jr. and Joe Andrel. On the Book of Very Very Bad Things podcast.
1: But at the same point, you think about it in terms of like, what is your measurement of fame? Right? Sure. So, like, for me, growing up in Dayton, Ohio, Brainiac was the biggest thing ever. They were, yeah. You know who my pastor is every Sunday morning? Who's that? Tyler Trent, the drummer from Brainiac. That's amazing. Oh, so you're you're Christian as well? I, I am a Christian, and. I am- uh, I am, too. Yeah. yeah, so Tyler Trent is a pastor at a church here in Dayton called LifePoint, and that's where my kids and my wife go to church every Sunday now. <laughs> oh, that's that's very cool. Hi,
0: Todd.
2: Hey, y'all. What's up? Hi, buddy. Hey, dude. Just, love uh, you. Love you, too. <laughs> Just got the kids. Well, I got a kid in bed, Vicky's doing the other one. Now I'm uh, sitting on the porch drinking a beer, hanging around with you guys.
0: Lucky you, my kid is nowhere near going to bed right now. He is <laughs> he's three and running amok. And I I know damn well my 21 year old is nowhere near asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we, yeah, we kind of. So...
1: Peter, how old are your kids?
0: Born, 20, or, 21 oh. and 3. So
1: I have 21 about to be five and about to be ten
0: so you you hit the family reset button as well yeah and todd's are younger
2: i've got a i've got just turned four and about two and some change
0: oh wow so haven't, you're you're haven't, in it
2: yeah i'm right right in there <laughs> you know they're, they're awesome They but they're oh. definitely at that that age they're uh they're wild but it's it's super
0: fun yeah, they're destroying your home currently and doing all that fun totally. stuff. Totally, right? yeah.
2: And yeah. it's it's also cool because we have two huge dogs, um, mm-hmm. so whatever you know, whatever they don't destroy, the dogs get. Whatever the dog, you know, it, luckily, like if there's food that gets dropped anywhere, it's immediately picked up by the dogs. So I guess we got kind of got that going for us. But yeah, our house our house is just chaos right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah it's, it sounds it's, like my that's my life. You just explained my life basically. <laughs> So tell me guys what was the you know kind of uh thrust impetus behind the the Split 7 inch I know for Joe I mean outside of uh, having Brainiac being the biggest band on earth in Ohio two two cow garage was pretty big you know that was they they meant a lot to a lot of people not only in Ohio but the eastern seaboard at large you know, so I I kind of understand that tie in. But what made you guys want to kind of get together for this? So, Todd, I'm going to take that one off the bat because
1: totally. um, the two car garage thing is how I met Todd. Um, I remember in the early 2000s, a good friend of mine, Jess Schmidt, um, was hanging out with Mike and Shane a lot and had heard their record three and had told me it was an amazing record and, and so I started listening to it and so there were songs on that called like your humble narrator and um particularly i remember that record or that song um the most
2: humble narrator was on speaking in cursive
1: darn it todd
2: <laughs> sorry i messed it up i have years of set list burning in my brain so <laughs> so what was on three? was shoulda california on three california was on there um um it, uh, so, in my mind, three is like the rock record, which is there's there's a lot of guitar going on. Uh, and so uh, it was like come back to Shelby and I think Folk singer was on that one, which is my favorite tune. Um, but I I came into it way later than you did. I, I like I kind of discovered each record at the same time. I'll let you finish. I'm yeah. sorry. To... <laughs> so,
1: you, you, you actually corrected me on that. It, it makes perfect sense to, you know, the seven inch we put out. Right. Um, so I was introduced to two cow garage in the early two thousands. And I always followed him. Um, have never had a chance to play a show with him ever. Um, since I was, I've been introduced to Todd who did a stint in the band, and I've gotten to play shows with Shane as well. Um, they're such a big influence, though, over time. And so when I think about the song Two Cow Barrage, you know, it was basically written out of respect for a band that has worked for 20 years. And I can't tell you what song is on what album, right? <laughs> but I can tell you the songs that are important. And so the, the initial chorus of two cow garages should a California is a perfect song to me. Um, and I remember, you know, watching that song on YouTube, like sitting at my desk job just over and over, like watching Micah play it solo and how much it moved me. And so then my brother, um, he runs sweet sheet of publicity with me and, um, Introduced me to Todd and said Todd was pay- playing with Took at the time had this band Benchmarks And so he sent me yep. this record And I listened to it and I was Immediately hooked It, it was a great pop record um, Benchmarks came out on uh, That record in particular um, Todd you'll be able to Give me the name of the record But it came out on Sofa Burn
2: uh, Our Undivided Attention
1: Our Undivided Attention and I don't think it was 30 minutes after listening to that record I'm already emailing Todd like okay I'll book you in Dayton like I'll book you a show That's um, true th-
2: that was the first date of our first tour on that record
1: yep for sure <laughs> yeah it was cuz you came with Alone at th- uh, 3 a. m and yep. Chris was playing mm-hmm. drums and um and from that night on you just meet people in your life who have an effect on you and realize they get music in the same way they get the operation of playing in a band in the same way so they're kind of the people who put on the show they're kind of the fans and they're kind of the people who work there
3: mm-hmm.
1: and and Todd Farrell for me was one of those people um a medium <laughs> hey but, so as, you know, our relationship has grown over, now it's been, what, Todd, five or
2: six years? Well, I'm trying to think. That tour was in 2017. So, yeah, it's like five and some change. Uh, the Five and even some buds. change. And, I I mean, I, we, I'm sure I'll speak on it later, but I have to echo what you said. Like, it was immediately, even like when we were emailing and hadn't played together yet, uh, we were like immediately buds. And so it like it's five years of living in like different cities and doing things, but like been in pretty relative constant contact since in those five years, you know, um, at least as much as like two guys that didn't know each other from different cities would be, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, in the same token, the, the unifying theme there is music, which seems to be like the grand leveler between all people of taste anyway, you know, um, uh, like t- at least, quote unquote taste t- quote unquote taste of course <laughs> but you know like having come from that 80s hardcore scene uh walking around malls across the united states seeing someone else with like, like a like an ass shirt or or even like a minor threat shirt and being like hey you know like that used to be like the thing oh, okay you're That's on my cool-
2: team
0: yeah you're one of me it doesn't yeah. work like that anymore but it has to get a little deeper than that now. Well, Peter, it did work
1: that way in this relationship because right. Todd was part of the Two Cow family. For me, yeah. And so I am significantly older than Todd. Um, closer to your age. Yeah. Todd's yeah, Todd's the baby on this call.
0: And <laughs> okay. I'm the old fuck.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. You're like my older brother, right? Yeah. yeah so pretty much. That's how it all works. Um you know, you just keep handing it down. Right. And you yeah. continue to surround yourself with people who are just cool and have good taste and yeah, then build around it. And you know, you know, the bands that you can rely on
3: mm-hmm.
1: to like Two cow is not like, if I was going out there and like every fan of Lucero and your band is a, a, a big fan of that band. Right, I'm not mm-hmm. going to accept all those emails. Right, mm. <laughs> yeah. But but if if a band references Two Cow, like as one of their references, I'm like, I might book you. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, same with Chamberlain. That's another one of those bands oh, like Two Cow that like, you know, that, that, don't even start a... me, Peter, on Chamberlain. I well, I that's my eighth copy of that on vinyl, I think. Uh, of, of fate's oh. got a driver i have the split lip version of fate's got a driver on on clear vinyl that i bought from them when it came out i'm i'm ridiculous with that band i, I do too so funny <laughs> story about chamberlain their
1: first show in dayton ohio they came and played with a band called um stronghold which is yeah. my friend mark kramer from louisville who plays in a band called tender mercy
3: mm-hmm.
1: they were in high school or not even in high school Like, one of their siblings was playing a soccer tournament in Dayton, Ohio, and they showed up four hours early to the show and uh, got dropped off at the building lounge in downtown Dayton. And Stronghold was just finishing practice for the show that night. And they walk up. So it was Curtis and um, Curtis is the bass player, the drummer. Yeah, Uh, I I don't remember the drummer. Charlie Walker. Yeah, Charlie Walker, walk up to my friend Mark Kramer and are like, hey, we're here to play you later tonight. And Mark's like, well, the show doesn't start for like five hours. Do you want to go to Taco <laughs> Bell? And so Mark takes them to Taco Bell. Two high school kids, and he's a little bit older. So when they did the reunion tour, what, two, three years ago?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I Mark and I went to the Columbus show. He drove up from Louisville cause he had moved from Dayton and came back and we went to the show. And the first thing that Curtis and Charles say to Mark is, do you want to take me to Taco Bell? <laughs> like they just walk up to our table and like, that's what they say. To me.
0: Well, I just interviewed David like what, like a week and a half, two weeks ago. And he was remembering things, uh, conversations we'd had over 25 years ago so
1: that's awesome
0: uh, that's how they are that's how those they're very the the that southern humility that uh you know people sort of make fun of or or believe is just like you know um, it doesn't really exist it really exists peter what do you think about the song go down believing i'm a christian that's my all-time favorite chamberlain song it is mine too you got two ways to think about your time to die. Like, <laughs> I'd rather tip glasses with kings, even if it's only in my mind. Oh, that's, God. That, 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 that is, is my all-time favorite. That's poetry. That is, uh, that reminds, oh, the, my favorite, uh, Dylan Thomas. <laughs> it's Dylan Thomas to me. You know, there, there's that, that uh, almost Irish-Welsh lilt to uh, the lyricism. Uh, melodically, it is very inspired by uh, y- you know, a lot of the um no depression era of of what people consider alt country now. Um, but you know, I like, felt
1: like it was like pre yeah.
0: it was pre it was it was pre that, but you know whiskey town had just kind of happened at that point, and um you know, the Jayhawks hadn't really happened quite yet they, they were together but not really making any sort of waves so they they did they were kind of like a a precursor to all that would later become triple a alt country or no depression uncle, or what or uncle tupelo
2: uncle tupelo music
0: yeah uncle yeah. tupelo music pretty much which no depression that's an uncle tupelo record yeah and then a fanzine thereafter but i mean you know you know they're they were like the punk answer to the Flying Burrito Brothers, almost. Yeah, with, I I would almost with, agree with you on that one. With with better lyrics. Well, sorry, sorry, Graham Parsons.
1: You. Oh come on! <laughs> well, and, and I'm like,
0: <laughs> I, I listen. I'm a grand like Parsons. <laughs> I love grand. Parsons.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm taking over the conversation because you brought up Chamberlain. Like literally, like. I love the replacements. I love Bob Mold. Yeah. And I love Chamberlain.
0: Oh, and the smoking popes. And the smoking. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> the best thing to come out of Chicago since, like, the, you know, the White Sox of, like, the 1960s. Oh, <laughs> well, Todd Farrell's a, a Braves fan. Oh, well. Can you tell? <laughs> well, I, we, we can't,
2: we can't all, you know.
0: Can't all be perfect, I guess.
2: <laughs> no, but we could last year.
0: Yeah. Oh, listen, last year.
2: <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, we weren't. We weren't that great last year. I think we kind of got pretty lucky on our draw. We beat the Dodgers. And that, that was our luck.
0: I, I'm a lifelong actual Red Sox fan, so
2: you
0: know. I'm like everyone's anathema.
2: <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You, so our our bass player is a Boston sports guy. He like he's from. You know, middle of nowhere, Connecticut, and he like he's a beat writer for the Patriots. Like he's like all in on it. Um, and we watched the uh, the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl together, and that wasn't a great idea. But um <laughs> and they got to the point where I was just like, dude, you have enough of these. Just like give us something. um So, like I you know I I respect the Red Sox because I love that. What was it like? O three or O four season. Um, that like that was just great baseball to watch i Uh, cried yeah like i I think i did as a baseball fan you know what i mean yeah but but i'm also like all right like give us a few like (laughs) throw us throw us something here and so we we had last year might be the only one we ever get but um that was fun
0: yeah i think that that's part and parcel to being a fan of anything be it sports be it music especially if you have an underdog uh, team underdog band, what ha- whatever it is, you you imbue so much of your own personality into what that institution is, be oh, yeah. it the Red Sox or Chamberlain and, or Two Cow Garage, or Two right? Cow Garage. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> when the idea of this of this interview came about, Tim mentioned Two Cow Garage. I was like, yes, I'm in. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't really need to hear much else because they were, I was that much of a fan. You know, but I, I think that's that's what makes uh, and builds into, you know, the personalities of, of, of these institutions, these these baseball teams, these bands, the fandom, the, the cult of personality around them. Like, Hot Water Music's a great example. Chuck Reagan could pretty much go out with a banjo and just, you know, play Zydeco music. And people <laughs> would follow him, like Lemmings, because... Yeah. Hot water music meant so much to so many people. And it's, I think it's, that's just how that's it true. is.
2: Well, I think there's a cool, uh, you know, the, the, the even the, the mere idea of community or, uh, you know, companionship or a group or whatever. Uh, I didn't really, in all my years of playing music, really notice that being something true and tangible until i started playing with two cow and then mm-hmm. i sort of was brought into this strange weird world of all these people like literally there is there might be a hundred or there might be four people in every town in america that has a story about seeing two cow in 2002 or whatever you know in yeah. very very visceral memories and so in like You know, I was a fan of the band before joining. I'm a fan of the band after leaving. Um, But they, you know, all these people around the world, they, it it never, it didn't, once I was part of that, it never went away. Like, so all these people that I've met and all these people that, um, you know, I guess I, I kind of associate with the two cow thing. It's not really that, it's just like, they're just these really, really kind people that all found each other because of this band. Um, and it's you know it's like sports or it's, it's like you were saying, uh, the the common interest thing. While you know maybe superficial on the surface or whatever, it's so real and it's such an intense emotion that people feel to these things. And uh, two cal is definitely one of those things. Um, and I, I have lifelong friends that I met through that. I still crash on people's couches that I met through that thing. You know. Yep. Um, and there's just a a wild wonderful and kind of crazy like it gives me a little bit of hope for the world you know oh yeah like that that there's this this intense human kindness around art or something it's really cool
0: it's the truth and it becomes generational especially for us because we're parents but i I have a three-year-old who has red Sox regalia that he knows that's the red Sox. he wears it oh yeah and he knows that's the ramones on the radio he loves it and when he was a year and some change old and Chamberlain was shooting a video for their uh, newest record, Red Weather. Um, they put out a call to the people who had pre-ordered the album, or or uh, crowdfunded it, I should say. And in the video for that song, uh, my son and I show up at least three times in in, in the body oh, of dear, that. I gotta rewatch that one. That my really my is- son. My son grabs me and kisses me on the mouth (laughs) in the video. It's gorgeous. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know that I get to pass that along. Like, I yeah, it's not. There's no such thing as MTV now, so that's not going to air there. But you know that that's a memory that he can have. Like 30 years from now, when I'm probably cold and in the ground, he hears Chamberlain. That gets tied to me. That video gets tied in, and that's a part of his his life's journey
1: Peter yep. that is like like so I'm gonna tell you a little story of so my wife this year for my birthday gift um, bought me a trip to Nashville
3: mm-hmm.
1: um she booked a hotel room for us and the kids and that was to go hang out with Todd Farrell and his family mm-hmm. and so when you think about like that musical connection right the voices you hear on things because my kids have heard todd's voices over and over again Mm -hmm. on the car stereo um my kids end up on our own records sometimes um it's just it's that connection right yeah it's that way you tie it all together um where music is bigger than just putting out records it's um being families
3: together
0: yeah
1: and yeah. I don't know sorry that no. that the chamberlain video story it started to make me tear up a little bit. Um, <laughs>
0: It, it I every time I watch it I get choked up too because you know I, I mean we all kind of have this wish that our kids are going to
1: love what we love love what <laughs> yeah. we
0: love and and not think we're dicks you yeah. know what I mean or, like or lame
2: we, or whatever
0: yeah exactly That's... but like there, there's there's a, a a line in that song where he says uh, I'm I call into my brother. I'm afraid of my father. And and at that point in the song, my son grabs me and kisses me on the mouth. And it's like, maybe you are in the song, but this kid isn't of me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's kind of incredible.
2: Well, and, it, and that's almost a cool, like poetic way of saying, like, you know, that as the generations go on, you correct yourself and you don't make your, your dad's mistakes. or you don't make your, um, the last generation's mistakes. Yeah, um, which is that's kind of cool.
1: But do we think we are? Mm-hmm. Like, we yeah. have three dads. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we making some of the same mistakes, or are we not? I am. I,
2: I think. I think certainly, but I think maybe there's things that we're correcting, and then we are opening up gaps to things that we don't even know about that we're fucked up You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Well, I have a I have a great head start because my dad was a, an army ranger and tunnel rat in Vietnam. so he carried wow. a lot of shit back with him. I not only did I not serve in the military, but I was forbidden to by my uh, father by my <laughs> wow. it, yeah, a desert storm was Wait. kicking off. I was just old enough to join the military and I was strongly considering it. and he. Lost his mind and threatened to kill the recruiter that came to the house, and I was like, "Okay, you were there. You know better than I do. I'm gonna just stay my yeah. ass here and go to college."
2: Or, or the miss recruiter knows. <laughs> well,
0: Peter, I, I am a military child as well. Yeah. So and that well that and that 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 carries its own weight, Joe. You know what I mean? Like the, the combat veterans have a lot of guilt. My dad was not
1: a combat veteran.
0: Oh, okay. But he was a. Uh, I will not say what he did in the military. <laughs> oh, okay, fair oh. enough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little. There he was a missile can... officer. He was a missile officer,
1: so okay. I will say that. So, um, my dad has actually talked to me about that where he hopes that no missiles he built
0: <laughs> will ever be fired. <laughs> yeah. I, I have pictures of my father with human beings ears around his neck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh-huh. our, Army Ranger tunnel rat, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Vietnam that was that was a whole different ball of wax. So I I, yeah, I, I do I do want to qu- step in
1: here real quick and yeah. just say my father is an amazing man. I love my dad. And oh, so yeah. if any of this gets as part of this podcast, like I don't want my dad to be embarrassed for his career. He did a wonderful job yeah. raising my brother and I encouraging us to play music um, and also serving his
0: country in the way that, you know, he did. Yeah. So. I'm sort of my, my dad. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I wish my dad was here right now, but um oh. Sorry. you know no that, everybody dies that was that was one of the things that he kind of like ingrained into me embedded into me when I was very young he's like I'm gonna die you're gonna die we're all gonna die it's what we do while we're here and tangible and have anima that makes the most impact he was a poet he was he was a musician he played drums with muddy waters in the 19 late 1960s after he got out of the war my dad was a heavy dude um he was just he was just affected. Yeah. When you kill people and cut their ears off and string them on necklaces, you're affected. There's no way yeah. around yeah. that, especially with Absolutely. all of his Catholic programming. But that this kind of brings into mind my, my one and only question that I, I ever have predetermined. Damn, for I was this show.
1: it on you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to set me up, but <laughs> I will let you ask it.
0: <laughs> all right. What is it that you gentlemen? are terrified of on an existential level your most existential terrible fear what is it
1: todd farrell do you want me to go first
2: yeah go for it
1: um that i have done things to other people that affect them on a level that does not allow them to be the best of themselves. Wow. And I think about that on a level that not only
0: is long term but short term as a father. Even that's and the, so, that's the least selfish answer I've gotten to that question. <laughs> you know
1: I think about things I said to people in the second grade. It keeps me up at night sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be the reason someone took a downturn. But then as I think about it on a completely selfish level, with like as a parent, right? Yeah. I know I'm going to do stuff that my kids are going to, Go on a podcast and talk about, you know, 20 years later. Yeah. But I don't want to leave that legacy. And maybe that, 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 the word legacy is selfish, right? But everybody I don't, has one. I don't want to be damaging to others. And it scares me because you don't know what could be damaging you know um i'm not afraid of bigger thoughts but definitely that todd
2: farrell (laughs) that's a good one joe you know uh maybe i don't know like i guess in a pre fatherhood pre-pandemic world my answer was pretty similar to that and I'm not saying this is like to negate your answer but I I think I'd maybe the new dad or something in me or the kid in me or whatever it is has like the different so I, I don't know like I'm certainly also like always you know maybe it's the empath thing or whatever but always terrified of the way that you've maybe um purposely or inadvertently treated somebody or said something or whatever that like you said affects somebody and takes them you know down a path that wasn't intentional and is negative um but I also have kind of through my own you know dealings with people that maybe were negative towards me or uh I don't know like like putting myself on the the other end of that there have been you know situations or events or things said that really sucked but long roundabout have put me in the spot i'm in now and i'm really happy about the spot i'm in now i'm happy my family and my kids and my life and um so you know don't beat yourself up (laughs) i guess
1: Um, yeah but todd you still have to answer the question
2: yeah i know i'm still thinking about it (laughs) like uh, like to be honest you know it might be dumb i'm kind of like afraid of like the world being taken over by robots and shit these days like (laughs) (laughs) like skynet and uh you know the the world crumbling into a ball of fire or that or that
0: that ai that google invented that just hired an attorney
2: yeah would <laughs> like you read just, about that yes i did man that's real and
0: that's a real I mean, I, I, thing
2: I think on a on a like more serious level uh just like and this is you know this is probably very token parent stuff that everybody's parents have done before them but like wanting to make sure that the world that my kids grow up in is better than the one i exist in and in the last you know few years or whatever, it hasn't necessarily seemed like that's the trajectory things are going. Yeah. Um, and so wanting to maybe at least with whatever's in my capacity to make their lives uh, better and more fulfilling and teach them the things that I, I think they need to be taught um, and you know about art and music and baseball and things like that like, I don't know. Maybe that stuff doesn't exist in 20 years, but I, damn it, you're going to know it now, you know? Yeah. But uh, Todd, I'm also afraid not a great of robots. Answer, but, sorry?
1: <laughs> I'm afraid of robots, too.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, they're scary. <laughs> like, have you... you? I, I watched Terminator 2 the other day. It's terrifying. <laughs> hey, that little machine that vacuums my
1: upstairs
2: terrifies me, too.
1: Kill your yeah. Roomba.
2: My Roomba <laughs> is is scary. It surprises we, me. Something. We got one too, and I honestly I, maybe that's where this fear comes from because it's not fear I feel the Roomba, it's like hatred. It's like it doesn't work. It doesn't do its job, but it thinks for itself. It like it's like all right, it's time to vacuum the house. Like I didn't tell you to do that. What are you what are you trying to what are you trying to do? What are you saying? My floor is <laughs> Get your ass back under the porch. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> we, we don't actually set ours off to be automatic, Todd. Amanda actually drives it around. My wife. <laughs> well, my wife vacuum. Well, my wife is a former house cleaner. So she's like, Hey, let's
0: try this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, At shit. that point, just run the fucking vacuum. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like, well, and she does. <laughs> we we have a we have one of those things, the, the robot thing, and we have like two vacuums. So I'm like, let's just we should just have one of these. <laughs> yeah. That's why Todd Farrell and I are friends because we have Roombas and vacuums. We also have That's- carpet cleaners at our house and. <laughs> It really is the solid foundation of our friendship. Is the rainbow yes, and vacuums,
0: <laughs> house cleaning um, mechanisms.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, wow, that's, that's the answer I'm going to go with. That's uh, you know somewhere between, uh, you know, futurist, uh, world, uh, destruction and robots. <laughs> <laughs> I <guess. laughs>
0: I mean you have to be afraid of something in all reality.
1: Yeah. Peter, can I can I also add quicksand?
2: Yeah. No, we've already like the, the <laughs> yeah, I already mean, proved that quick, quicksand's not even anything to be afraid of, Joe. You need to, you know. need to get you need to get out of Scooby Doo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and plus slip's an amazing album. What are you afraid of? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you're right on that one, Peter.
1: But we had we went to Maine last week and spent some time with some family and we all talked about like what were your fears as a child, right? And quicksand was an overwhelming one.
2: Ooh, I like the that. other
1: one was slipping on a banana.
2: Mario Kart. And it,
0: and it turns out my wife actually slipped on one. <laughs> so so you he says slipping on a banana. You go to Mario Kart. My mind goes to the three stooges. That's how yeah, you can tell uh, I'm old as F.
2: <laughs> I'll
1: watch the Three Stooges, though. Hey, Peter, I'm not afraid of red or green shells. <laughs> my my uh, four year old was playing uh, Mario Kart on Switch today. We finally introduced him to Mario Kart, actually, today.
0: <laughs> nice. On Switch. I haven't owned a video game system since Super Nintendo.
2: Oh, I got started. (laughs) I I am
0: really, I'm, I'm that shot. I'm records and books. I'm that that's, that's like, you're,
2: you're probably better off. Honestly.
0: No, I just suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't have any of those, you know, for years. Mm -hmm. I was 30 when I got my first Nintendo. I bought it. That's cooler than me. store.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I find it. I find it amusing that I have no. I have no interest in it. It, It's. I feel left out. All of my friends play these expansive, uh, all-encompassing, like online video games where they they chat with each other and talk smack to one another and completely ruin one another's, you know, self esteems (laughs) over what is it? Fallout or whatever, whatever they play. I don't know. I I, I know nothing of it. The only video games I own currently, I don't, I never had systems for, and that's all due to the fact that I buy them because they're Evil Dead related. (laughs) Every time an Evil Dead game comes out, I buy it to stick it on the shelf with all of my other Evil Dead, Sam Raimi memorabilia. Cool. That's cool. it. <laughs> How does that does that mess with you existentially? The only one thing messes with me existentially. Only one thing. <laughs> what? So, what is your existential? I, I I I spoke ad nauseum about this to Chris Broach from Braid because oh, oh, I Chris is a great dude. I love Chris. Yeah. Ours is the this guy has survived things that I couldn't imagine, well, and, well, he, he and, and I Chris, Can we can
1: we give a, a quick shout out to his Sunset Records, the SNST Records that he's been putting out with his wife? You know what he's done with uh, Braid. Like Chris Broach is an amazing human being. He's um, an amazing part of the Sweet Cheetah family as well. Yeah. Um. So I do want to
0: call that out. Um, before you go into
2: it. I think Bray a cool band, but that's all I got.
0: uh, Chris is awesome, (laughs) but uh, he and I share the same sort of existential dread. When he came on the show, he explained his, and it was very similar to mine. When I was about like four, four and a half years old, there was a uh, television show on PBS called Nova. Nova is about the cosmos, okay? And they'd spoken about how In all actuality, once you get past every galaxy in the known universe, there is a blanket of utter and complete void. Nothing's living. There's no light. There's no sound. It's just a vacuum, a cold, empty, ridiculous vacuum. And that stuck in my psyche to the point where I had nightmares about it every night where I couldn't shake the idea of it, where I'd missed days of school because of it. And I was four, four and a half years old. It's still the only thing that shakes me to my very core, because in truth, that's probably what hell
1: is. So, Peter, how did you feel about the latest release of
0: the um, space station photos?
1: Uh, (laughs) One step farther, right?
0: Yeah, that's farther and 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 you know what's out there? The second nothing of nothing. It's just the 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 a vast expanse of complete and utter emptiness. Uh do I feel that that really has any impact on my life? No. Will I ever see it? No. Is it anything to worry about? No. But when I go to sleep every night, I go I go there every night and it's probably oh. that's probably why I got became a drug addict at one point and <laughs> was mentally ill but you know, there's there, there's just something about that notion of uh, a a tangible very real place where no life exists nothing can exist it's like you're outside uh, you're outside of the sight of god right even though that that's impossible, but still, <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> okay that that statement just hit me a little bit, like, cause,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's it's utter oblivion. Oblivion is the most terrifying notion <laughs> I could possibly muster. So yeah, that that that's that's mine. Oblivion, <laughs> huh. oblivion. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm that's, a needy I, guy. <laughs> that's a,
2: that's a pretty cool one, though. Like that's, that's, that's a. I, don't know, it's, I listen to a lot of cosmic death metal, and that's just like four records right there already. Like, oh yeah,
0: <laughs> or, that's that that's like every Aranci Pazuzu record, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> cosmic black metal. I dig now, it. Now, listen, I I I love it too, but I've I always liked black metal, death metal. I was in grindcore bands as my first real working bands outside of a youth crew band I was in in the 80s. But how does that translate to what you do now?
2: Are you asking me? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I've just always liked a lot of different kinds of music, but I think really playing guitar came from metal stuff mm-hmm. um very like randy rhodes you know of those first two Aussie records he was like that's my dude of as mm-hmm. far as um playing and you know when you're when you're pick up a guitar for the first time at age 13 through 15 and but, my dad was into acdc and i grabbed that and then the next logical step is you find metallica and then mm-hmm. the next logical step is you find Iron Maiden and then you find at the gates and then you find,
0: especially uh, if you hear slaughter of the soul first. Yeah.
2: The, sla- yeah. Uh, Joe and I talked about that too. Like slaughter of the soul is at the top 10 record across all genres. You yes. Know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I, so I think certainly as a guitar from, from a guitar point of view, that's where the metal always hit me was like, this sounds cool. Like I love Tom Petty, but like it doesn't necessarily sound cool or like badass. Like sometimes it does, but not it does. Not in the, it does. Not in the, but not in the same way that Slaughter of the Soul is like, oh, this shit is going to punch me.
0: You know what I mean? Well, neurosis is my all-time favorite band, but my yeah. my all-time favorite first love was T Rex.
3: yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's all relative to me. Uh, Electric Warrior and Times of Grace are almost the same thing, really. Mm-hmm. Except one makes you want to shake your ass and drink beer, and one makes you want to hide in a corner and arm yourself. <laughs> yeah. You
3: know,
0: yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, pretty much, Blood on the Tracks, Blonde on Blonde, Highway Six. It, like you name a Bob Dylan record up until nineteen like seventy eight, I love them all, and. It's to me, it's all the same as Discharge.
2: Totally. It's saying
0: It's saying the same thing. The,
2: the lyric, the, the the overarching theme and message is all, you know, part and parcel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But they don't yeah, sound the so same. You can go to Go Down Believing, mm-hmm. to Slaughter of the Soul, to mm-hmm. Elton John's first solo album, and it's all the same.
0: It is. It is. I mean, I love Elton John too, but there's a, there, there, I think what all of us are talking about really is sincerity in delivery. Yes, for sure. Truly. And I, intentional
1: delivery. Yeah. You know, intentional. It, it's the way the music sits between the spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not I mean, dead, I mean, not necessarily with At the Gates, right? Because that is super intentional.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but but you know that that guy also has a message. Uh, you know, he's he's yeah
2: uh, har- he, he's in all he's in all those uh, hardcore bands. He's in all the crust bands that came mm-hmm. out of like um, that part of Sweden in the nineties, and even now he's doing that kind of stuff. And, I mean, At the Gates is back, I guess now, but yeah, um, but. Uh, Thomas Lindbergh is his name. Thomas Tom- yeah, Lindbergh, you- he was Thomas, yeah.
0: Thomas, yeah.
2: He he's he's like if there was like the anarchist fist in the air, hard on sleeve, dude of Swedish death metal, it's him. Like he's the uh, you know, he's the voice of that not just musical movement, but also sort of like the sociopolitical thing that i i just read there's there's this awesome book called uh blood fire death um Mm -hmm. and it goes through the swedish metal scene Book kind of like it it says it's mostly about the black metal scene but it goes through the death metal thing and it goes through kind of like the weird uh rivalry between norway and sweden and all that kind of stuff and uh, it was really cool to hear interviews with thomas Lindbergh about like you know like the norway bands were doing the kind of like lo-fi spooky black metal thing that um, wasn't necessarily like we're talking about now like it, it it certainly was direct and had a purpose but it was more of a kind of existential ethereal like feeling they wanted to evoke it whereas was the death metal yes whereas the death metal bands were like here are the things that suck and we're gonna yell about it you know what I mean? That or you know like reading a lot of uh you know, Crowley or, um, you know, all the stuff and all the, you know, all the, all the other normal metal things, but, but there's a lot of sociopolitical stuff to it. which. Well, I that comes always...
0: from the grind core of it all. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. your, your like, carcass, carcass, your napalm death. Yeah. They were vegans. They were basically hippies who made really insane music. So what does that make them? That makes them like Penny Rimbaud of the crass or, or discharge or, you know, like the, the the true like or amoebics, the, yep. these anarchists, collectives,
2: anti semex and all that.
0: Exactly, rudimentary peni. Like the list goes on. All of those bands were very uh, Bob Dylan. They were very Woody Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Just, just in an intensity that apexes anything an acoustic guitar could possibly be capable of. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah, right, you're talking to two folk singers. Who
0: yeah. have rock yeah. bands, you know, who well, see that, right? I,
2: who I think get it.
0: I, it's obvious. Yeah, I think I think Billy Billy Bragg and Tomas Lindbergh are from cut from the very same cloth.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I always my joke um, is always that at any given time I'm listening to either like. I uh, I don't I don't know who you know Darkest Hour at the gates or someone or John Prine or something
3: mm-hmm. and it
2: all really is like lyrically like it's just like we've been saying this whole time it's really all saying the same message one well, is like re- with, with blast beats and tremolo picking the other is with you know just an acoustic guitar
0: i could look right behind me here and that's one of uh neurosis's Record labels uh, releases of Towns Van Zant music Ooh. as interpreted by bands from the metal and hardcore genre. Oh,
1: that, that is cool. a great record, by the way.
0: I've never heard of all. This. All three of them were great. The first one was mostly members of Neurosis and members of Baroness. Same thing with the yeah. second one. This is the third one, and it has Amon Ra
1: Architect on it. What's that? Is mouth mouth of architect on that one
0: on the second one okay this one has cave in Amon ra and marissa nadler this just came out um that's cool they do retread some of the same songs but as interpreted by the different groups that kind of filter into the collective but um that just goes to show you the ubiquity built into towns van zant Mm-hmm. okay he, he was he was really heart heart on sleeve is 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 uh, too gentle a euphemism that was like heart out of chest and on table like yeah. viscera included he was very very real very dark and i think that bands like this are pretty much the only bands that i could think of that are still currently operating that could do that material justice so, so why not, why not you guys being folk singers, making quote unquote folk punk or whatever you want to wrap it in. You come from the best place to represent it. And my humble opinion, but what do I know?
2: I'd ask, do you, are you into this band Panopticon?
0: I love Panopticon.
2: So Joe, I know you're, you're probably not as, as in, so, this band, Panopticon, they're probably one of my favorite current bands going right. It's really just this one guy, Austin Lund. Yeah. Um, he's out of Minnesota. He used to be from Kentucky. But it's like kind of this, like kind of atmospheric, melodic black metal. It gets kind of thrashy. It gets kind of deathy. But it's, you know, at its core, it's that. But the last, not the last record I did, but the one before, so the side A was like the metal side. Side B was a acoustic and vocal country records mm-hmm. where he's doing songs he wrote and then i know that when he plays live and he does his acoustic stuff he's singing john prine and T- towns van zandt and all this stuff yep. and i think before i had heard of that band i had never really kind of thought of the cross-pollination of that kind of stuff i was you know like oh i know that people like this and that um but it was it that was a really cool thing for me hearing that band and kind of just like going into what we've been talking about, like how the message transcends regardless of the medium. Um, and uh, I, so I just think that's, a, they're a really good example of that, in my opinion, of oh, just yeah. how the way you play something matters on a lot of um, you know, levels or whatever you want to call it. But I think the, some people get more out of the countryside. Some people get more out of the metal side, depending on what your personal preference is. But the the feeling and like like you said, the the heart on your sleeve or on the table bleeding on your plate, um, it hits the same way, regardless of the medium, as long as you are able to take it in and comprehend it. You know.
0: Well, so look at look at Nergal. He 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 went from you know, and he still to <laughs> yeah. behemoth. And he does, what's the name of his country project? Uh, the man... Uh, I forget I've, the name I, of it I now. Know I, I know I've, that he I've was
2: two. Doing that. a weird one for me. Because, like, on one hand, he, I can't tell if he's, like, cool or... Oh, shit, did I leave you? No. I can't tell if he's cool or if he's, like, like, pseudo-fascist or whatever. He, like, kind of, like, toast this weird line. Politically yeah. with all the things he says, sorry that, and that's a whole different subject to broach, especially with metal, but I know he's got that country band
0: yeah, and it's it's really it's really uh well done um and it kind of bums me out that there is that question about him because i'm I'm a Pollock, he's a Pollock
3: mm-hmm. i was and, ra- and-
0: I was raised believing we were supposed to be like these anti fascists, but that's obviously right. not the case. To- <laughs>
2: <laughs> the uh, What's the the record that The Hemus did in like the mid 2000s they're probably their big One what was it called
0: The Satanist
2: The Satanist that was like uh, As far as like getting into more Extreme metal that was a huge one I think for a lot of folks Um But yeah yeah he's got That weird Like I saw him he was posted the other day in, like, a napalm death shirt with a, you know, anti-fascist crumbling swastika logo. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess you're cool. And then the next day, he's, like, complaining about cancel culture or something. I don't know. So, I, I don't know. And I, I tried, like, I will never meet that guy, and I don't need to really deal with it. So, I, I try not to let it bother me. But, you know, when you're bored at work, sometimes those are the things you Google. <laughs> So let's go back to Chamberlain where they aren't racist and
1: questionable. (laughs) Okay. We're also a hardcore band and a country
3: band.
0: (laughs) Kind of, yeah. I mean, when actually they were metallic in their way, when they were split lip for the love of the wounded. Oh, so good. (laughs) Adam was playing, was actually playing riffs. That were heavily inspired by the metallic hardcore of the day. Yeah, I mean uh, that was, you know, the
1: Midwest at that point because they were from Indiana at that point, right? Yeah. So like, there was this weird circle between basically Columbus, Dayton, Indy, Indianapolis, Bloomington, and Louisville, mm-hmm. right? So you had Falling Forward, so you had the guys from Elliot who ended up in Elliot. End right, point. end point. Um, like so, those were the bands that got me into hardcore, which led me to metal.
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: so it was falling forward, end point, and Lit Lit were really probably my three, and then you know, the Ohio bands came along, and then the Dayton bands just went crazy. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to stop that conversation about the metal bands. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Try well, to go somewhere else. for every, no. for every yeah, bad I, metal band, there's a million
0: good ones. That's yeah. But the bad ones are one that get the press. Yeah, well, and it's the same with hardcore. I mean, like the bands that I'd grown up lionizing, loving, like the Chromags, and and nothing against the Chromags, but John Joseph, who's like on one side of the coin, is very vegan and and very plant based, and very you know like Hari Krishna practicing. Mm-hmm. But he's also anti-cancel culture and and, and very alt-right almost or libertarian at best in his way. It's it's hard to swallow because a lot of people say, well, you know, he's in his 50s. So (laughs) as you get older, the the older you you get.
1: The older I get, the more less conservative I get.
0: I get more liberal. I I get more liberal. And I was always liberal
1: but i think that's because we're parents probably you know and we want to raise our kids in a in an environment that is not
0: bs well i mean i i think I, as far as i'm concerned i'm I, I could probably be excluded as far as you know a lot of things because you know i i i get i get mated out of it i have my my little brother's gay my uncle's black my cousins are black my wife is black my son's mixed you know i don't really have a choice but to be that but i that's what i always was and the older i get I, how could i get more conservative when i'm surround? i have nieces and nephews who are gender fluid and like all of these things are just conflating and and, and the world is becoming so much more inclusive and forgiving or on one hand anyway how do i, mean, I, I, mean, how do I not want it, but yeah how do i not want to embrace that like at, like what part of me would be like, would rail against that that doesn't even make sense to my self-interest
1: well and for me peter like you know i have an all-white family right mm-hmm. three boys 21 10 and five And I'm living in today's American culture. Yeah. How do I raise my boys to be the most kind, the most expressive? How do I let them be themselves, right? And be respectful of everything around them? Do not take advantage of things. Do not um, push your. Sorry, guys. I mean, it, it. you know, conversations with women, right? It, it comes down to a, a very real thing of how do you raise your sons to be awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it starts with just being an awesome example yourself. I love my wife. My wife is a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. And, and she actually gives me a lot of this guidance. But it is, you know, I go back to that existential question, right? Yeah, I'm like I have fear in raising my children, and I know Todd has a different set of fear with a daughter and a son. Yeah, and Todd, I'm sorry if I gave that information up.
0: I have one of each, too, and that, that it's a fear, especially with my daughter being in her 20s and away at college and yes. living living her life, and I can't help so, yeah.
1: How do we, you know, become better men, right? And so it's a constant evolution. And I think growing up in the punk scene and Peter, I, you know, you're more my age than Todd is.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we were lucky in that. Yeah. That we grew up in that respectful sort of way, you know,
3: like PC we understood. the order of the day.
1: Yes. How things should work. And it basically just comes
0: about – down to be don't be shitty don't be a shitty human being <laughs> you know yeah. i mean we, we had we had everything back then though we had a lot of the women were riot girls yes and we, we did have there was there was a very distinct homosexual contingent in the hardcore scene
1: yes absolutely that, that
0: we had examples of every race color and creed in bands in the scene it was the, and they were a part of our our. our I, I I hasten to call it a gang, but it was like our crew. It was our 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 yes. microcosm of of the greater reality that we were railing against. So it was it was part and parcel to the creed of what we were a part of. To not only embrace this but celebrate this diversity within this very small group of people. Yeah, Pre- preparing us for what is the current state of affairs right now. And Um, and totally.
1: Um, I also think though, like as a 43 year old man, who's still putting out records. And I know I just put out a record with Todd, right. comes out on September 2nd. mm -hmm. You know, my responsibility is to bring more women into the scene. So I know on our full length, we did include more women in our record. Um, as we plan shows moving forward, the 84 draft is directly, you know, asking women acts to play and young acts to play.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because as a 43 year old man, that's my responsibility in this scene yeah. is to make sure that it's absolutely inclusive, that it's inclusive up, down and all around. Right. Um, And that's it's a weird place to be as an elder statesman, right? Yeah. Because you kind of expect your younger counterparts to just do it, but no, they just book shows with their friends.
0: Yeah. Which is uh, kind of sadly what we all did to a degree back in our time. But, you know, we did have the influence of the bikini kills of the world and then later donuts and, you know, like the argument could be made that they were f- far too few. but we had bands uh, like copper is a good example of of a mix. Copper is an amazing band. <laughs> amazing. Female singer, everyone else, Male Ashes is my favorite example because mm. that was Brian McTernan from Battery and from Be Well behind me. Uh, he was the guitarist and it was a lot of dc hardcore kids with a female Be well singer.
2: also with uh with brian what's his name from darkest hour
0: from darkest on Hour, guitar.
2: correct
1: yeah well and we we do have susie from pogo on our new record not the seven inch but um which pogo was kind of in that same level they were a little bit later than copper and ashes
0: mm-hmm
1: um, came out of that Tampa
0: scene, yeah. So. That very vibrant, uh, very kind of quick. They were. It happened and then it stopped in Tampa, which was a shame. You got everyone from Assuck to uh, Newfound Glory out of there. Well, and Hankshaw was yeah, my Han- favorite band out of there. They did that and, split with Hot Water Music, of course.
1: Well, and then the bass player from them ended up in Pogo,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which Susie and Keith runs a record shop in. Tampa and called Micro Groove and they're still doing stuff you know they have a new record coming out with Jay Robbins and they're killer so you know it's it's responsible at you know in your 40s to bring your friends in right across all creeds colors sexes identities um, to bring it
0: up you know I think at this point in the game, it's just kind of moot not to. Yep. You know, just to kind of like relegate everything to this rank and file of like, all right, we're going to get this group of dudes who just play the same kind of stuff we do, doing the same thing we do. Mixed bills, mix it up.
1: But, but it's happening,
0: Peter. Yeah, it is now.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... No, I, I I'm saying it's
0: not as much as it should. I mean, I I have to say I'm Re- I'm not I'm not, in, I'm not active in any scene, and I'm I play in a hardcore band to this day. But you know we don't play much. We're all older, so I mean our shows are very few and far between. But do you have I, women or trans people or
1: people of color opening for you? Yeah
0: absolutely cool yeah, of course <laughs> yeah well i i mean i i again have a leg up with that When a person i'd grown up with is trans and was yeah. the first person i'd ever known personally to transition far before it had become like the the you know against me of it all like Laura yeah. jane grace really sure. really inarguably kicked the door down for the trans movement as, Absolutely. Did, as did Mina Caputo from Life of Agony. Yeah. Um, but on the world stage, you kind of have to give it to Laura because, you know, that was the cover of Rolling Stone. But before all of that had happened, my friend Jalen, who was like kind of a local hardcore luminary, transitioned and then joined a band with Nathan Gray from Boys Hits Fire and, and kind of did her thing. And, just whenever she's playing a show nearby, and you know, there's no reason for us not to play together. We're friends, so
1: yeah, like my I friend said,
0: Eugenius plays with Nathan Gray. Correct, <laughs> they, they all played together at one point.
1: Oh uh, man, Eugenius's record is so good. Yeah, I, I, so yeah, yeah he was on,
0: he, he yeah. was on for the for that record. He was on this show yeah. for that record as well. Um, <laughs> But, like I said, it's almost like I don't have to think about it because these are just my friends. These are people who are already in my orbit. so it's not like yeah. it's not like I'm making a concerted effort. So I, I'd like to, like, I'd like to say, yeah, you can give me credit for that, but there, you can't because these are just my friends. so it just kind of goes down yeah. that way.
1: I think I, I pushed it a little bit because of you know listeners that may come listen to us, right? Mm -hmm. and just remind them like we gotta love people the way they are Yeah, you know we gotta love across the board all around this world is so hard right now and you know the one place we can bring unity is you know playing shows or in the punk community and just tell people that they are loved and trusted and we are here for them
0: absolutely now, Todd, yeah. is this is this your experience growing up? Like, are, are you are you like from the punk scene, or is that just kind of something that's happened?
2: It it happened later for me. Um, so, I like I'm a I'm a '87. So my, my I was born in '87, so but I'm, I'm a late '90s, early 2000s kid. Um, and like I was living in the South, mm-hmm. so the there weren't really as many, you know punk and hardcore was not as much of a thing for us other than like a veil. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, that's
0: a, that's a good thing.
2: (laughs) But, but I didn't, I didn't find a veil until years later, you know? Um, So, you know, we had, I'm just remembering back in like high school and stuff. I would go to, I I, I was more on, like, I was a metal kid growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. I was going to like, you know, like my buddy's thrash shows or whatever. Like the metalcore scene was a big deal. You know, that like kind of mid 2000s, uh, like, you know, Kill Switch Engage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily huge into a lot of it. I, I, I kind of, I, but I think the ethos that, that the, like the hardcore end of the metalcore scene hit the metal scene and it was pretty, uh, you know, a lot of like blood in mosh pits between people who didn't love that and people who did um yeah. and that so I think my uh my introduction to a lot of that stuff was like weirdly just like watching violence happen and being like oh what is happening right now um I remember seeing and there's this it's gone now but there's this uh Uh, old it's a domino's now but it was like the punk hardcore metal venue in nashville called the muse and Mm -hmm. i saw the the faceless and arsis and tony danza tap dance extravaganza was the opener and kind of like back you know this is in maybe oh six or seven so that like the bill was put together because like in the south it was like okay here are three bands that use distorted guitars so we're gonna put this bill together and i just remember the pit being a fight between like the neo-nazis and the hardcore kids and i was like mm-hmm. i like this band better but i like these people better and so yeah. and i had to like explore the subculture and like figure out what was going on and it wasn't until a little bit later that i kind of i guess you know everybody has their own uh socio-political awakening or their own sort of I think that goes with music too like finding out what like that scenes actually exist and you can be a part of something and you can find like-minded people um, it was around that time when I found uh, not only just like punk and hardcore but also people uh to kind of surround myself with and that sort of weirdly transitioned into the Americana scene which was huge around here um, and that's kind of where I got I guess you can say my foot in the door musically as I was just playing shows, like writing songs and playing shows with those guys. And that kind of, uh, and that's, that's how I landed in two was like, they would come to town and we would open for them. And then eventually I did, they just wanted me to play guitar for him, um, <laughs> which is a whole nother fun story. Um, but the, uh, and then, you know, I think that the, the idea of a scene is a little bit more fluid now in, uh, you know, the punk hardcore ethos that I found in that totally exists in the Americana scene. And it totally exists in, uh, now the metal scene. now the metal scene is as much of a, um, yeah, not, I mean, musically too, but like the, the, the punk ideals or however you want to, um, say that is alive and well in you know heavy metal right now as well which is really cool but uh it all kind of i don't know everybody uses the word ethos like it all kind of comes from that that punk rock ethos and i think it's cool that it's transcended outside of just punk and hardcore um
0: well that's your story though reminds me so much of the 80s because we'd had so, like your Slayer, your your Metallica, your Megadeth, they were a product of people listening to new wave of British heavy metal and uh-huh. Discharge, and and yeah. punk rock, and the Misfits, and the Misfits. So, like that that first surge of thrash had Anthrax involved, had later on SOD involved, and and. The, i saw the Chrome Mags opening for motorhead
2: yeah okay like, motorhead transcends before all that stuff too and, while...
0: and so what i'm what what in truth is kind of like almost uh you know immortally true it's an immortal truth that metal and punk are like they're they're parallel lanes on the same highway Totally. And, yes and occasionally you <laughs> swerve into the other lane
2: yes <laughs> you know
0: and, and I, I, th- I
2: think go ahead
0: I think that the same can be said for you know you talk about the replacements and Hoosker do and then you talk about uncle Tupelo and then later like whiskey town and and then of course Chamberlain like they're they're just differing lanes on the same highway that you get two
1: cow garage
0: the two cow garage, uh, it's mm-hmm. or the legendary shack shakers, you yeah. know, the, these and rocket from the crypt, they all just kind of like they're all traveling oh, the same road, yeah. that, <laughs> intermingle. And I, that's it's always been that way. The first Iron Maiden record, Iron Maiden had Paul Diano as a singer, and he was not a it's metal, a punk guy. Record. he was a punk dude, he was a punk yeah. dude playing in a metal band.
2: That's I, I know I keep going back to Darkest Hour, but that's why I think I always gravitated towards Darkest Hour because they were essentially a DC hardcore band that worshipped at the gates and couldn't really play their instruments. Yeah. And so it's just like all the all the aggression and all the passion and all the the you know, the feeling and, and the, the message is all the same, but it's just like a little bit more shreddy. So it hit like it hit both oh, yeah. of my you know, both of my spots. But the uh, you know it, what we were saying before how it all just transcends genres and, and all this. I think uh so like a quick story. Um, two cow got, like I think my second tour I did with Two Cow, we were opening for a couple weeks for Tim Barry, um, back to the Avail thing, and that was yeah. one. It was just like super cool, like holy shit, this is Tim Barry and he's like hanging out with us every day. Um, but two. We were this and at this time the two cow garages, two electric guitar, bass drums, and loud, you know. Yeah. Um, this is this is not like early kind of like alt-country two cow. This is like punk rock two cow. Um and this is at least while I was in the band, this is at our like raunchiest and loudest and like most crazy. Um we open every single one of those shows and then Tim comes out by himself with an acoustic guitar and totally owns the stage like i don't i'm not gonna say shows us up but he commands the room just with his songs and you know uh just as well as we did with all that noise we were making um and it's the same thing it's just two lanes of a different thing um i would love to see more tours packaged like that or even just shows like You can, you can do, you can, the hardcore band can play with the country band if it's the right thing. Yeah. And I I think that would be a way to, like we were saying earlier, not just cross genre, but um, bring more, you know, human beings into uh, whether it's bands or fans or whatever, into the scene, not necessarily of the genre scene, but the scene of people that, are welcoming and hospitable and supportive. And a lot of people need that kind of thing, but maybe are scared of going to the hardcore show or yeah. maybe don't want to be seen at the country show or whatever. Um, anyway, but I, I, that also, that tour taught me a lot about that kind of thing too. It was pretty cool.
0: It, it reminds me not only of, you know, my experience in the eighties, but also, and you know joe you can speak to this in the 90s early 90s especially we had examples of you know these mixed build tours not only on 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 an independent level but like i'd seen public enemy open for not only anthrax and primus but before that the sisters of mercy who were like the preeminent goth cool. band of all time public yeah. enemy open for them on a tour I uh, we have examples of of Sick of It All and KRS One from Boogie Down Productions touring together. All of I these, love that. it's amazing. Right now, Sick of It All is going on tour with Cypress Hill. You know I th- th- these, these things that that occurred in the past. Wh- they are happening again on on you know on um, not the macro as they should in the microcosm of, of a smaller scene. Yes. These things are occurring again. Wow. I think For sure. what it, it comes down to is just enough people who are willing to continue in that tradition.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think there are enough, Peter, you know, there's enough, uh, you know, even I have my godfathers of, you know, my own local scene, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, people I looked up to, um, and still look up to and have played in very important bands but then they also you know give you a little bit of wisdom and then you do the same for your younger side of it um we we're lucky in Dayton Ohio you know Dayton has a long history of funk mm-hmm. and uh, you know weird independent music so it's it's not weird to go to the grocery store and run into members of the breeders yeah and members of like classic funk bands like zap yeah at the same time um and so that's really great so i think my at least in my community it feels really like they're trying again you know we have some young business owners who have opened up additional record shops and our throwing shows and bringing in young bands old bands and dare I say I'm the old band now you know <clears throat> <laughs> um but it's neat to see and it it's nice to grow with the younger people as well um i think i've been a little bit out of touch as a parent but now yeah. i can bring my kids yeah, and I we have venues in town that are totally safe for me to bring my kids to, throw the headphones on and let them watch. Um, and I think that's really important for the longevity of all of it, right? Because I mean, between me, you, and Todd, we all have a bunch of kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have all been so blessed by punk and independent music in general and we want to give that back to our kids as well and i know my brother is the same way yeah so like how do we expose them to him in a way that they feel safe and that they can grow in it in the same way and maybe see a band that inspires them so much that it you know i think back to 12 year old joe right when i My older brother took me to a punk show, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I went and found all the guys from the marching band at the high school to start my (laughs) ska band in 1992. Mm -hmm. Or it was 94, I guess. And I did that, you know? And I'm 43, and I haven't stopped. I now have a son who is almost 10, and he has a keyboard up in his room, and he's up there playing all the time. You know, writing his own stuff, he was actually. Um, he had a part in our last record which he didn't know, we just recorded something. But that to him, hearing himself on one of our records, was like, Well, I can write my own music, yeah. And he started to, and just encouraging that in people, you know, it's. Punk has given us a lot. I mean, Peter, we've never met before today.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we have the same love of chamberlain. Like yeah. Todd Farrell and I have met several times and are, are good friends because of punk. Yeah. Because of this music, because of what bands have done. It is it's big it it, it is way bigger than we talk about it like it is.
0: Yeah. All of this for me is because my dad took me to see a concert in 1983.
2: Yep. Cool. To see what The was Who,
0: it? The Clash cool. opening for The Who.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> I saw The Clash what? when they were The Clash. Yeah. With all of the members of The Clash. They were opening for The Who. My dad wanted to see The Who. What an
2: incredible one-two punch on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talk about fuck my whole life up. and Yeah you know that set me on this on this journey that you know i didn't look back i was i mean 1983 uh, i gotta do math here i was four peter uh so i was if you were four i was seven yeah I didn't exist i well, <laughs> i think i was 10
2: <laughs> when i went to my first show um but what was your first show joe
1: I'm not sure.
0: My, I'm not little brother, that question. my little brother was about 10 when he went to his first show, too, and it was Into Another with Sensefield opening.
1: Oh, oh, Lord Jesus. I cool. just bought the Sensefield Jimmy World. Um,
0: Mineral. Three, Mineral. Three-way split. Yeah. Yes,
1: which I had owned previously, but due to life situations, had to sell at one point, and I just got it in Maine. I was so excited. Nice. <laughs> um, Sensefield awesome. was one of my high school bands. I had yeah. two high school bands. Sensefield and The Wrens.
0: Yeah. The Wrens.
2: That's a good
1: the one, Rens, one. So The Wrens were on grass records with Brainiac mm-hmm. and 10 O'Clock Scholar. 10 O'clock, 10 O'Clock Scholar is the most underrated band from Dayton, Ohio, ever. So if you can ever find their records, it's the best.
0: Oh, they're so good. They're so they're, they're so under listened to, under appreciated, but uh, you know Brainiac kind of eclipsed everyone. They were yes, yes. they it, were that intense and that good.
1: Well, Brainiac is the single best band I've ever seen live.
0: The single ever. best band I've ever seen live was was Ink and Dagger, believe it or not. But oh, I think shit. I think Ink and Dagger and Brainiac, what Brainiac was to your area is what Ink and Dagger was to us.
1: So I opened for Ink and Dagger years ago in Athens, Ohio. Um, we'll talk about that story offline. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: I, <laughs> was, I opened for them a couple times too. With my, it was guy.
1: not a great. It was not a great evening for us.
0: Well, Sean and uh, I had similar habits. So, <laughs> well,
1: Sean, Sean was fine. Um, I actually own the original Frail records, by the way. Yeah. As well, if you want those, the ones in the, uh, um, wrapped up like. The uh, brown male labels. Yeah. I still have them. No kidding. Yes, I own them. I'll send you yeah. pictures. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, um, that was Dom. That was Dom DeVore's old band. And, Don. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And and uh uh the singer Sean, he was in Crud as a cult. Well, I so I missed that one, but
1: we did play with so yeah, no, Sean was not an issue when Ink and Dagger
0: played in that. Well, we'll talk about then, that for later. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, we did a lot of shoplifting and and bad stuff together because that's how they made their merch. Yep, <laughs> that, oh. that was that was as, that was as punk as punk got back in the nineties. What those guys were up to, but
2: uh, DIY capital Y,
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> capital Y.
1: Hey, wait, wait! You had the capital Y with your van, Todd. What
2: happened to my van?
1: Oh, the, the two cow garage van. It's I love oh, that yeah. story.
2: Hot leathers. Oh yeah. Well, so uh, this guy, yeah this this stems into like sixteen other stories. Well, there's this guy who he's in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, he has a le- well, he didn't anymore. Now he's doing his own thing. But he had a uh, motorcycle apparel company called Hot Leathers. And he's probably the biggest two cow fan ever. And he's the coolest dude. He's the nicest dude ever. So he just printed our merch for us. As long as we just put his company logo on the side of the van. So we did, but I meant we had hot leathers in flames on the side of our van everywhere we went. So bikers <laughs> all over the country are just like, hell yeah. Uh, and we actually like got a, you know, a biker crowd sometimes at the shows. Um, That's interesting. But then, like Murph and I, Murph who used to play drums in Tucal, he and I would go. Work at these biker rallies all over the country. Like when we weren't on the road, he would be like, "Well, if you guys want to make money, you can come work for me." And so we would go. We went all the way to Surge, South Dakota, and Laconia, New Hampshire, and down to Daytona in Florida, and all over. Like literally, just selling T-shirts to bikers, and it's like these events are like they're just like giant Trump rallies with exhaust everywhere, and it was like. Yeah this surreal thing and, and this guy is like not into that but he's like i don't know man i grew up a carney and this is where i landed so this is my business you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah and he'll tell you the same story like it, it, this dude's his story alone is amazing and i could go into all that too we, we should probably get yeah, you an interview peter with him
0: yeah andy,
1: yeah it sounds about right
2: andy from hot leathers is the dude he's he's amazing um
1: so, todd and i did a run right before covid
2: like yeah. literally
1: a week before the shit or shit shut down he had come to dayton to play a show and then we played clump it,
2: it was supposed to, benchmarks was supposed to do the shows and then a tornado hit nashville and our drummer couldn't leave his house because there was just trees everywhere um <laughs> and he like in addition to, like, he had stuff to deal with because there was trees everywhere. So, we were like, all right, I'm just going to... I did this run just by myself, solo. Well, and t- solo t- l- tell the real
1: story, because your baby was due, like, three weeks later.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, it was it was a situation where... Uh, the, I mean, the shows are, like, March 9th and 10th, and my child was born on March 17th. Jesus. Um, so, and, like you know, I was talking to my wife before and I was like, I, you know, I could very easily tell Joe, like, listen, man, like this is between tornado and about to have a kid and all this, like, I, I could bail out. And she was like, no, you need to go because you might never go again. <laughs> because, <laughs> because between the tornado and the kid and the looming global pandemic, who knows the next time you're ever going to leave this house, you know what I mean? Um, and Joe can assess Vicky's wonderful with that stuff, so um, so we left uh, and we did one. The first show was at the Yellow Cab in Dayton, um, and that was like I played by myself, I think either right after or right before uh, like the Earthquaker Devices Band, right? one of actor? yeah, so, <laughs> like splinter. giant light show and fogs and like 17 guitars, and like, and then it's just like. Okay, but here's a little old me.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my Jamie silly son owns, owns relaxer, or Earthquaker devices.
0: The yeah, pedal, pedal company. company. The pedal company, yeah.
1: Yes. And so he had a whole set up in the back room, like, to sell people pedals because we had invited him, and Todd plays right before him, right? right? Yeah. Um, which is hilarious because Todd's a pedal guy, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, but I couldn't, like, use pedals because it was just, like, me playing by myself.
1: Because the band so didn't we, come. So the next night, we play in Columbus with, um, actually, the guys from 2 Cow.
2: Yeah, Shane, Shane and um, uh, Jay and George, the new guitar and drummer, and Shane, obviously. And then, um, Todd, and then May Todd, 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 Todd Mays in that band. And who plays with that, Lydia
1: Loveless? So we yeah. pull up the show and, and in my George minivan. And,
2: George and Jay oh, also I, play with Lydia too.
1: Oh, George all, and Jay. They, they, yes.
2: They they, double, they they double duty with Tsukao and Lydia. Wow.
1: And so we go to this laundry mat in Columbus, dirtiest laundry mat in the world. And we pull in the back parking lot and there's a a van that says what hot leathers or yeah, pop and, and, and so Todd's like, "Yep, Shane's here."
2: <laughs> oh, and I don't I don't know if you knew this part of it. I uh, I still had a key to it on my keyring. <laughs> <So laughs> I just got in it and like was it for a minute, and he came out and was like, "How what the fuck are you doing in my van?" <laughs> I, so I gave him the key. I gave him the key back.
1: <laughs> I did not know that part. I just knew we yeah, pulled up and you were like the hot leathers van is here, Shane's here.
2: <laughs> it, dude, he picks he's got he's got kids. He's got one son. Um I think he's <laughs> going on like 11 or 12, maybe he's older than that at this point. Um but he like picks his kid up from school in that van. Like oh, <laughs> like Yeah, cuz that's his car, you know. And
1: you have to know like Shane Sweeney is the nicest dude ever. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's everyone, like my big brother, yeah. Anyone I've met in the two cow family has just been nothing but kind to me. So, Sweet Cheetah does do a lot of work with Micah and Shane, and um, we don't do the Lydia stuff, but man, I am fans of all of them. Mm-hmm. Anyone in that family, from Todd Farrell to Todd May to Shane Sweeney to Micah Schnabel, like. They're doing really cool shit, <laughs> and it's, so it's to have Todd involved with me with the seven inch is actually a really honor, a big honor for me.
2: It's an um, honor for me, dude. <laughs> I'm just happy to make stuff.
0: And this but, is come. We have to wait until September for this, huh? Well, well, well. Did
1: the well the seven inch or Todd's pr- song premiered today? on yeah. getoblaster.com. Um seven inch comes out on September second. And then um we have an announcement from the draft that might involve
2: Todd Farrell as well.
1: Hmm. Coming out oh,
2: we're gonna do that one, eh?
0: Well we got a full length coming out too <laughs> oh my yeah. god what's this what's this gonna be like the full length it's just so like the, split the, up or Oh no, the
1: it's a navy four Oh, okay. But Mr. Todd Farrell has a big portion in it. Well, for once, song. so. Oh, that's big enough. Yeah. I love
2: that. I love that song. I mean, that song's yeah. already like on YouTube live. Everybody knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't know yet. You just told them. Yeah. Now they know.
2: Oh, <laughs> I mean, you you can Google it. <laughs>
1: yeah. True.
2: But yeah, um, we yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for your record. That's gonna be a good one.
1: In the in the 7-inch alone, is it stands? You know, it's yeah. it's a true Todd wrote one hell of a song for his side. I wrote a tribute to two
0: cow garage <laughs> <laughs> and actually I, used their lyrics in it. I got a big kick out of that actually. When i when i'd heard it i was like wait two car barrage that that to me that was hilarious just being a, a two cow fan and then the more you listen to it it's like wait he's lifting lyrics from songs at this point isn't it yes i yes. did yes you did, I did.
3: And,
1: <laughs> and i actually asked micah and Shane if i could so i did get permission
2: i, um, I remember the you, i remember you texted me and you were like you sent me like the your iphone demo yep and you're like is this is this too much and i was like no it's perfect but i would send this to shane because he's going to enjoy this
1: you know what i mean yep. and so i did uh, and then i asked them to be on the seven inch but then it didn't work so we actually called in our friend um sean gardner from columbus who plays in different columbus bands who is also a two cow fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he filled the parts that I was going to ask for.
0: I love that band, Peter. I no, love I, two Cal. I, I do too. I do too. Like I said, it was legitimately the impetus for the interview. Uh, I, I hadn't read the body of the mess, the text message that your brother had sent me. Um, but I just, opened it up really quickly and I saw two cow garage and I typed three letters and it was a uh, Y and S with an E in the middle. <laughs> yes. Yes. That band always stood for me. It was, you know, it, it's right in line with my tastes. I was always a whiskey town fan, a, a Lucero fan to a lesser degree. I I've grown Did to we like do them okay more. <laughs> From the
1: draft side, like I need your opinion. Like, did we do okay in honoring? I the thought it, of
0: two cow? I thought it was perfect, knowing what you do with the '84 draft too. I, it, I, it wasn't a stretch for what you guys do stylistically. Yeah, uh, but it was definitely '84 uh, draft shot through the prism of two cow. Perfect. You know what I mean? Uh, like yeah. the, there was, there was definitely like the influence was very felt. But it wasn't aping anything. It wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a try hard move. Yeah. In my opinion. It was tasteful. It was it was you didn't it, see, it
3: didn't seem
1: forced.
0: No, no, that and, and you, that's you, you saw know,
1: the love that I have for it.
0: Absolutely. It was a fitting tribute without being like you weren't trying too hard. It it was very natural, very natural. Thank you. And it, it works, That's and I the think the best
1: compliment I could get on that one.
0: And those songs work together, which is really interesting because you go from one side to the other and they're not out of place with one another either. No, Todd nailed it. <laughs> for nailed- you know, for for two styles that have similarities but are not you know in in, in truth the same yes they 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 definitely they're on that that two-lane highway i talked about that they ride perfectly with one another there's no disconnect no and that's because that's my brother from a different mother over there on the phone
1: i loved it i (laughs) love todd dude.
2: sorry guys
0: Todd, your 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 child was born in, in March of what year?
2: Uh 2018. My, for, oh, sorry, first one was 2018, second one 2020.
0: Both in March?
2: No, I'm sorry. Uh uh 2018 was June, 2020
0: was March. Okay. I, I was gonna say um one year prior to that in March, my son was born.
2: Oh nice. Yeah. In it's... wait, in in 16 or 19? Uh, in nineteen, that's right. Yeah, you have a three-year-old.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter, yeah, where I, are you I, at? I'm in I'm in the Scranton area of Pennsylvania in a very small town called Pittston.
1: Okay, well, we'll yes. have to make a, a zoo visit for all of us. Yes, With our
2: kids. Yes, as well. You should. That's, that's what we
1: do. Well, <laughs> Todd and I hung out earlier in June,
0: um, and you went to the zoo
1: we did actually the Memphis or the Nashville zoo.
0: <laughs> See, we are the, the zoos in this area are questionable at best. <laughs> I've called, I've called PETA on two of them. Actually. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've been, I've been uh, arrested for animal rights things throughout the course of yeah. my existence i'm one of them uh i'm not i'm not quite earth crisis but i did my part <laughs> you know yeah. well and Peter, you're not too far from dayton either no i'm not actually i could probably make it to uh dayton in a day three, three and a half four hours if i'm really pushing it
2: is scranton on the the philadelphia side or the pittsburgh side of Pennsylvania?
0: philadelphia Philadelphia. So hour. I'm I'm sorry. It'd be more like six hours, six and a half hours. Yeah. But um, I've made that trip before. Uh, years ago, my late best friend was trying out to be, and by the grace of God, so we drove out to Louisville and stayed at Duncan Barlow's house, and that's like <laughs> right on that trajectory. And I think that was we drove through a blizzard though in 1999, and I think that was like a a six almost seven hour trip. For that one if not a little better but i mean i was also in it was the late 90s i was under the influence of uh opioids of all stripes so <laughs> there was that there was that so i it, did
1: love the the band by the grace of god though
0: mm, i loved everything duncan did from endpoint to guilt to by the grace of god to the aussie lake
1: i i was a Zao kid too Oh well, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: My, my youth my youth pastor in college was Sean Jonas. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> yes. You you have this this impeccable knack for being tied in with seen people. The weirdest
1: weirdest shit ever through the church. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, C- seen people who are Christian. Yes. Uh, I uh, that is not my experience. Oh, Peter,
1: hi, hi, hi. I I I love Jesus. I, I
0: do too. I do. But,
1: and I've gotten lucky to get with the real good ones. Yeah, I have um, I, I'm a big fan. I will I will say Sean Jonas is a is a good dude. Tyler Trent from Brainiac also mm-hmm. like his testimony is amazing. Josh Caterer from the Smoking Popes. Yeah. Also is an amazing person as well. And we have traded emails. You know, it's hard to be a Christian in, in punk. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, and there are a lot of people who are real forgiving for a lot of things, especially the ones who have lived through it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I've just, I, I, I learned very early on in my punk and hardcore experience that, you know, that, that, there wasn't much room for that uh, in the time period that I'd been involved. It was tolerated, but it was more tolerated to be a Hare Krishna or a Satanist. Yeah, uh, those were those were the two cool things to be. And, you know, I at that point very much lost my faith anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd stray. Well, and the- those
1: guys weren't strong in that period.
0: No, I'm they saying didn't. they're all strong now in this period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Which, I mean i I didn't I didn't regain uh, the faith I would had as a child until I'd gone to uh, AA to clean up from narcotics because there was we didn't really have an NA chapter in this very small area, so I had AA or nothing, and yeah. <laughs> so I chose that. And, you know, that was kind of like the impetus for my, my uh, rediscovery of, of my faith in my Lord and Savior. But, you know, I think once bands like Shai Hulud, who had a, a Christian bent because they were Christian members, they weren't a Christian band, or, or like uh, Strong Arm or uh, who was the other really big one outside of Zayo and Strong Arm back then? Uh, was Stretch Armstrong Christian? They might have been, but I not heavy. Were. Yeah, they weren't like they weren't espousing the virtues thereof. But you know, it's once the late '90s kind of came into fruition, it became more accepted and you know okay to be into tooth and nail and solid state bands.
1: Yeah, you but know? then again, they all fell away. You know,
0: it's they like, did I
1: love Peter the Lion. I love him, Mm -hmm. but then he also walked away,
0: you know? Sure. Sure. And and you have to, you you have to wonder what, what makes people walk away from that. Is it, is it the faith or the experience? Because, you know, That's that's an existential question, Peter. That's an existential question because you look at, uh, the singer from thrice is a great example. Uh, Dustin Kensru. Dustin Kensru. He was involved in a church that drained him of a vast amount of his money. They were very, very a uh, Mars Mars Hill.
2: The Mar- Mars Hill. What what's his name? What's that guy's name? Oh I weird. Wish I,
0: I wish I could recall, but he was almost a cult leader in his way.
2: Yeah. Bummer pastor. And
0: yeah. Dustin Kensru is still Christian. He's just not involved in that church anymore. Yeah, and, and I moved from my own church
1: after leading worship for seven years. But then you look at like Paramore. Yeah. Right? So the guitar player from Paramore writes half of Phil Wickham's songs. Mm-hmm. Phil Wickham is a large pop Christian songwriter. Yeah. He left Paramore to go do that. Um it's weird. You know? It but, is. But, but punk in itself is also good. Christianity in some ways is really good. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it gives you your families. All right. It gives you your safe place. And, you know, we, we all find along the way what's right.
0: You know? It's... and And... Conversely, in any group of people, be it a punk scene, be it a church, be it a baseball team, people with power tend to misuse power, therefore destroying the greater yeah. whole of what the organization is. Yeah, yes. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So, and Todd
1: Farrell and I are totally on board with that one.
0: <laughs> so That's why uh,
1: We are friends.
0: You know, <laughs> because like if you really love something, you can practice it and espouse its virtues independently.
3: Yeah.
0: Which that's... I very much do. And I, I hear a lot about, you know, fellowship and whatnot. Like, oh, you're not really, you know, watching your walk because no one's checking you. Uh, okay. Yeah. But someone is, it's just not a person that's in your vicinity right now. Yeah. I answer to something else, not you. Yeah. And I think that's what it really comes down to. What's your personal relationship with this music, with this deity, with this what have you? Oh. And it. That, and that's what keeps right. you honest.
3: It is.
1: It's it, it, I mean, you just summed it up. Yeah. You now know what keeps me honest, Peter.
0: I think I think it's what keeps us all honest. That uh you know a little bit of wine here and there, and yes, in in yeah. two cow garage, <laughs> yeah, and two cow garage, and and you know a beautiful wife and a home and and kids. I mean yeah. that's 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 kind of everything, right? Yeah. So this seven inch is basically, mm-hmm. in, in summation, a conflagration of a, a love of the divine force punk rock two cow garage uh, y- you know Americana music and, and, and living a life devoid of the trappings of overarching power
2: I'll buy that
1: it, I'll, I'll buy that but it's really about friendship
0: That's kind of the same thing.
1: Yep. (laughs) It's it's, I love Todd Farrell so much. (laughs) I think he's a hell of a songwriter. And I wanted to put out a song, you know, as the head of, or the singer of the 84 draft, I wanted to put out a split with him. Cause he is a special individual, special songwriter. Um, I wanted that. It, yeah.
2: I just lucked I just it, uh lucked finding up. good friends that wanted me to put music out.
1: <laughs> Todd's like, Joe's cool. I'll put out something
0: <laughs> <laughs> cooler than cool. So I'm, I, will go ahead, Joe.
1: No, I. Todd knows how I feel about him. <laughs>
0: So I guess in closing, what would you two like to sort of leave us with about this record and, and, you know, everything that surrounds it?
1: Well, I would like to start, Todd, because, you know, as we went through the idea, it was to celebrate a band in Columbus, Ohio, who is so special. In 2 cab garage. But ultimately, what that song is about is like living 20 years of playing music, right? 20, 25 years of playing music and just doing it. Um, and so doing that in the most appropriate way you can Um celebrate that. And with Todd, I'll let you go.
2: I I think you hit it right there. Um, For me, uh, playing music is, you know, is the summation of everything you just said. And um, it's cool for me on, you know, one, you know, Joe's song is is killer and it, the subject matter is, you know, a band that was a huge part of my life, whether it be it as a fan or as a member for, uh, you know, five or six years and continues to be good friends of mine. Um, and, you know, there are lyrics you use in there that are not just like lyrics from back in the day, like their lyrics from the record that I produced with them, um, so that's like the one like maybe a little bit to pat myself on the back that like something that I was a part of led to something cool like that. Um, but more so, it just brings back good memories of of playing shows with them, playing shows with you, playing shows in general, um, and just like what a good feeling that is, um, and. You know, I think subject matter wise, this, the song I put on there isn't necessarily about that, but it is a little bit. Um, and so I don't know. I'm just, I think that it would be really cool if people were into this little split we did. And um, if they are, uh, hopefully they feel the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for just music and punk rock and, you know, killer tunes and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's baked in. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So uh, on that note, it's 1030 in the evening, so I will let you gentlemen get back to your respective families, as I will do with mine. And I'd love to talk to you guys again because you're pretty hilarious to <laughs> exist along with in this context. It's a lot of fun and it's, it's nice to see people who are friends with one another the way i am with the few friends that i still retain from my childhood even though you're not childhood friends most of my friends that i retain are and you know it's a warm feeling it 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 feels good to bear witness to peter this
2: was so much fun man this is uh it's a great you know great great night to just have like a chat with buds
0: yeah legitimately that's what i try to do here I, I don't try to grill people and i don't interview people that make music that i despise <laughs> so it makes life very easy for me doing this
1: thank you again peter for doing all of
0: this and um hope to talk to you again you will very soon because you have a full length coming out that we need to discuss <laughs> further
1: we do and then we'll dive deeper into our chamberlain obsessions
0: yes we can we absolutely can all right gentlemen thank you so thank much you so much
2: thank you, talk. you. Look, see you guys talk,
0: talk to you guys soon bye bye now there you have it folks joe andrel todd farrell jr What else can I say? It was like a barroom conversation between two different generations of music coming together with a common love of all things independent. A common love of being fathers, of creating wonderful music, of being spiritual beings. And this, my friends, has been a pleasure we're about to wrap up this season we've got a couple episodes left to go and then i'm going to take a few week break before season two starts so uh i'm glad y'all stuck around that being said he's been todd farrell jr he's been joe Anderl. i've been peter and you've been beautiful From everyone at 3.33 a.m. Studios, this has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Good night, y'all.